All right, welcome everybody. This is Ears Up In Depth, your twice monthly show where myself and Jeremy from Spectro Radio, we go through some of the Disney news that's topical, that's trending, that's happening right now at this very moment, or at least, you know, within a few days. I mean, you got to give us a little bit of time here, but uh, Jeremy, welcome back to the show, man. Oh, wait, I had you pot it down. <laughs> Jeremy, welcome. Am I potted up now? There we go. Yeah. Jeremy, welcome oh, back to the show, man. Thank you. It's good to be back. Is it? Where are you? You're not home right now. Let's, let's, let's pull back the curtain a little bit. Where are you right now? I am in the very southern tip of Spain. Wow. Fancy. But You're I, a world traveler. I'm dedicated to ears up. So you know what? I figure it out. I call in. It's <laughs> 9 right. p. It's quarter after nine here. Wow. So you know what? That's dedication. That's dedication, man. And you know what? I really appreciate your dedication. We have a couple <laughs> news stories for you guys to go through. And uh, I was trying to think of like a, a, a funny way to, to kind of open the show, but I, I lost it. I don't know. I'm not feeling well, dude. I'm, I'm, a, little, oh. I'm a little weird lately. And, um, you know, I think it's affecting my brain. Why are you weird lately? I thought you were always weird. Well, I'm weirder Which, than normal. I don't know. Okay. I just feel, uh, I don't know. Does it ever happen to you where you, like, you kind of feel sick, but, you, but you're not sick? Like, you don't have a fever. You don't have a cold, but you just feel like garbage, like warmed up garbage. Well, maybe had? you're tired. Or I'm, I'm now. I'm worried about you. Yeah, I'm always tired, man. I'm constantly tired. <laughs> uh, but you know, whatever, man. In this four day weekend that we just had, uh, screwed with my internal calendar. Uh, you know, because okay. Taryn was home for now. This is her fourth day because it's a Sunday. We're recording on the right. what is this the seventh or the ninth or whatever the day is. Um, and it's just, it just, it, it weirds me out. I woke up yesterday. Okay, mom, man, today's Sunday. Is it Monday? I can't figure it. It's one of those. It's one of those things. Well, maybe you're just ready for everything to get back into its usual swing of things. That's true. Or I could be super nervous about our interview on the 11th with Raleigh Crump. Like, it, well, that's, it, it's confirmed. He, they, they confirmed it finally. That's this Thursday. That's this Thursday. Yeah. And I'm halfway done with his book. Right now, it's a cool. Uh, this this guy, I mean, has so many stories and and so many different takes on stuff. It's I I love it. I, I mean, it's so my plan is to read the book, take notes on on stuff I want to ask questions on, like him working with Mary Blair on Small World, and you know him working with Yale Gracie to, to develop uh, the the effects in Haunted Mansion, and before they knew Haunted, what Haunted Mansion was even going to be. Uh, they just had a base story, you know, and it was still going to be a walkthrough. So it was like, even I think even before it was going to be a walkthrough, they were working on just effects. They were just playing. They were just figuring stuff out and whether or not it could be used in the in the attraction or not. They were still like, oh, that's really cool. And then Walt would come in and go, yeah, keep going. And he would just let he would just let them do whatever they wanted to do. And I, it just it must have been a really cool time, especially compared to now. It sounds like. Well, you've got to be very nervous. I'm. I'm. I mean. I'm nervous in the sense that I want to get the most out of the interview because it's been almost a year trying to book Raleigh. He's a busy guy and, you know, living his life. And I understand that. Uh, but I, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to breeze through it or, or, or what I want to try to do is find a, uh, a hit on a couple questions or a couple points that he doesn't get asked a lot for some reason, you know, but I don't know if I'm that good of an interview. So I, you know, that's what I'm nervous about, but talking to Raleigh, you know, it's uh, he's just an, he's just a guy, he's just an, an artist and he just happened to do some cool stuff that everybody likes. 
So uh, that's okay. But, but controlling the interview, that's when I get a little nervous. Well, I, you know, preparation is key. So read <laughs> right. that book. Yes, it's a good book. It's what is it called? It's kind of a cute story. If you guys haven't picked it up, I've talked about it on the other show before. Definitely worth the twenty five bucks or whatever it is. It's it's a great it's a great book. It's a really great book. Can I give you one piece of advice? Of course. Well, I believe that it's pronounced Roly. Um, it could be. I don't know. I've never heard him say his name. Apparently, uh, that was a name he used to be called as a kid, and then uh, Walt gave it to him later on because he couldn't remember his name well i believe his first name is roland Mm -hmm. yeah but i think that's why it's the the long o yeah but then it would be one l right well i don't you might want to ask (laughs) you know i will i'm going to talk to him before the before the uh, the thing so uh he probably gets asked that a lot (laughs) he really does uh well yeah anyway um Let's do some news. What do you think? Let's do some news. All right. How about you go? Wow. Wow. <laughs> Age before beauty, I see. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Why, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I said that, and I was like, wow, that is way too complimentary. What? I am not feeling well. Does that going mean that on. I'm young and beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> the bold and the beautiful. Or, the, or you're young and restless. Whatever. <laughs> speaking of, did you see they're bringing back Beverly Hills 90210? Speaking of like soap operas that needs to just I'm go away. So, I'm so happy about it. Are you? But Dil- oh, but yes. Dylan isn't there, right? Didn't he die or something? Well, Luke Perry died, the yeah, actor. Right. You can't yes. recast. Are they going to recast? I can't imagine. I don't think no, so. I think they're going to write it into the story. Yeah. I think they But And the. the <laughs> The 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 uh, the shot that I saw in like this little fifteen second promo, uh, I was looking at, it, at the cast. And I'm like, wow, is that that's a new cast? And then I thought I saw Ian Zing, Zinger, Zellwing, Zingering, Zingering, and I was like, wait, I think that's. And then just I didn't recognize a single person except that guy. He seemed to have aged in proportion to his looks, uh, but everybody else looks completely different. I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is this is bad. Wait, Shannon Doherty doesn't look the same? She I, does. I, I didn't notice. How about that? Because it was very, very quick. And I was like scanning, trying to recognize people. What about Brian Austin Green? I didn't recognize him. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, uh, speaking of California, Jeremy, it's no secret that California is the home to a lot of things that are bad for you. High taxes, tech bros. <laughs> For sure, tech bros are very bad for you. High prices at Disneyland, but none are more exciting than earthquakes. In general, the trope of earthquakes in California is largely just a myth. Sure, we we get them, but not as often as you'd think, or not as often as Hollywood would would make you uh, would make you think. Except for these last few days, when a magnitude of six point four earthquake rocked Southern California near the city of Ridgecrest, which is about one hundred and sixty miles northeast of Disneyland for you guys uh, keeping track there. While the parks didn't report any damage, there were some rides evacuated and inspected, as is uh, their their policy with the earthquake, before allowing guests back on. And this was the largest earthquake to hit the region in many years, so it understandably left some people on edge. Then the aftershocks came. With earthquakes, there's there's even, you know, there's, there's a lot of aftershocks maybe not a lot but uh, you know a few and it can happen and that's just kind of a thing it's a reality of living in california right you know if you get a big enough earthquake there's probably going to be some shaking uh, after but it's no big deal 
Apparently, over 1,400 smaller quakes struck the region in a single day. A single day. 1,400. Now, most of these are small and they weren't felt by people. They say that generally anything under a 3 on the Richter scale, you don't really feel, but it's, it's obviously noticeable. But some were noticeable, measuring over 3 on the Richter scale. At that size, most weren't felt near Disneyland, so... Just to keep it, you know, back to the focus of the show. But the people of Ridgecrest, however, were miserable. In California, you know, we're always under the warning of the big one, right? The big earthquake, the one that's going to level everything and split us off from the entire rest of the nation. And we're going to go sailing off into the Pacific, never to be seen from uh, again. So whenever you feel an earthquake, there's automatically that fear that's been drilled into our heads, of, you know, right when you feel the earth kind of start to rumble, you instantly always panic and go, is it going to be the big one? It just That's just what you do. So imagine every fr- time I fly out of LAX or Frisco. Oh, and when a trip is over, yeah, I breathe a huge sigh of relief and I'm like, oh. I avoided it. See? And, and, they're, they're on their own. Right. And I've left them in the hands of God. It, <laughs> but And that's that's kind of what everybody thinks is, is, you know, oh my God, all the earthquakes. I haven't felt an earthquake. I don't remember the last earthquake that I felt. It's just, it Could you feel this? You couldn't feel this one? No, 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 no. I mean, it, this is this is like 160 miles away from Disneyland and we're like 350 miles away from Disneyland. So there's, no, we didn't feel it. Yeah, there's there's no it didn't it didn't reach up um it didn't reach up this far. Um so that's 1400 quakes in one day. Even if you couldn't feel most of them, you know that they're happening cuz you hear the report. So it's got to be terrifying for those people. Then on Friday, the next day, right? An even stronger earthquake slammed the region, 7.1, which I believe is 7 times more powerful than the 6.4 that was off the previous day because that's how the Richter scale works. If you go if you go uh in points, it's it's one time greater than previous. And if you go up whole numbers like from 6 to 7, that's 10 times bigger or 10 times more energy, I think being released is how they measure it. Right, it's exponential. <clears throat> exponential, right, right, right. So this new quake, 7.1 set off a fresh wave of aftershocks with three measuring a magnitude of five or greater within the first hour. Jeez. Yeah. The aftershocks were happening every 30 seconds or a minute, giving people in that area the feeling that the earth was just not ever going to stop shaking. All in all, about 4,700 earthquakes hit SoCal in a two-day period, causing residents to flee the area, sleep outside, and generally be on edge the entire weekend. So they think that 6.4 was a pre-quake which apparently happened. Then the larger one hit with all these other little small rumblers, but a five or greater in the first hour after 7.1? It's That was crazy. Uh, In Disneyland, rides were being evacuated off and on over the weekend, with many of the more popular rides closed for mandatory safety inspections after that 7.1 hit for sure. All in all, it was a scary weekend for our SoCal friends, and as the aftershocks keep coming... We're still here being told to panic and prepare for the big one. Nobody's trying to calm anybody down. Any news article you read is like, well, you should be prepared for th- to go three to 14 days without food and water. And it's just it's you're overdue. California's overdue for the big one. There's no there's no getting away from it. Even if you're even if you leave the area, if you're still in California, you're you're hearing about quakes nonstop and you have to get separate earthquake insurance. It's not covered under your homeowner's insurance, which is like $150 oh, extra a month. 
it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Do you have it? No, I don't. Well, Petrus, you gotta get it. Well, so here, so here's the thing about earthquakes. Like, if this was in, like, like, uh, well, you know, Brazil, I guess, or or uh, China, which has happened before. They've had large earthquakes, it, and it levels like everything over there, right? Because they don't have the building codes that we do. So our building right. codes are pretty sturdy. And I know there was a lot of damage in in Ridgecrest, but not to the extent that it would have been you know, anywhere else. And I'm just going to lay that out as a very general thing. I know that there are other places that would have been fine, but you get my, my point. So at a 7.1, you know, the house would have some, some structural damage, but it wouldn't have, it wouldn't, it's not going to collapse. It's not going to be irreparable. And I don't think it, it would even meet the deductible for something like that. So we looked into it when, when we moved out here to Oakley, but, um, you know, all in all, our realtor was like, it's generally not going to be worth it. You're probably better off just putting a little extra money a month aside, pretending you're paying for, for, for earthquake insurance because you're going to, you're not going to meet your deductible usually. Um, do we know, or do you know off the top of your head, what was the magnitude of the great you know the San Francisco quake at the beginning. God, of the I century. I remember. I think I want to say it was in the eights. Um, let me see. Uh, I remember that earthquake too. That was crazy. The Loma Prieta earthquake. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of the one that happened in like 1904. Oh, <laughs> okay. I was like, wow, you're really up on your Bay Area history. But you know, I'm glad right. that you did let age go before beauty because you've really gotten old. <laughs> That's right. Um, it was a 6.9 was the Loma Prieta one that collapsed the Bay Bridge. It was during the uh, the World Series there. Um, so that's crazy that this was a, that this second one was a seven point one. Mm-hmm. Seven point one, and it's just it did a lot more damage here because we're in a more densely populated area than out there. You know, kind of near the desert. I think is this is more near uh, Death Valley. Um, I don't think Ridgecrest is like uh, as densely populated as as the Bay Area is, obviously. But it also has to do with like soil conditions. Um, you know, a lot of the Bay Area, a lot of like San Francisco Bay is kind of landfill. They filled it in to expand it and whatever. So, you know, shift stuff kind of shifts around um, the great San Francisco earthquake. Let's see what that was. I'd be surprised if no. You know what? There's no way to measure it because the Richter scale wasn't introduced to like 1930 something or other. Uh. But I think that they estimated a 7.9. Well, I don't like this Richter scale. I think a nine should be one worse than an eight, not ten times worse. I, I agree, but you know everything has has subtleties, right? There's different areas of gray. Uh, you know, it just I don't know, man. It depends, and and really, it's the release of energy that, that's what they they measure, right? They can't measure it in terms of how much damage it causes or whatever, because again, depending on soil composition and, and location and population density, it's it's just all going to be different. So right, anyway, how deep it is. Right, right. So. If you're planning on going to Disneyland this weekend or, or in the coming weeks, don't be worried about the earthquakes. Everything is fine. Like everything's fine. The building codes are great. Disneyland would not be letting people into the park if they weren't earthquake compliant. Everything will be fine. Uh, don't worry about it. We're, we're so doing how all long, right. How long were attractions? Were, I'm assuming attractions were shut down. Yeah, some of them were. Um, what I read is that after the 7.1, a lot of the major ones were shut down like um, let's see, did I make notes? I didn't make notes, but like, you know, Big Thunder, Space Mountain, but not all of them, Indy, um, just, and they have to do a, a safety regulation, just mandatory visual checks on everything. And so right. it really, it's just how long to, to shut a ride down, evacuate it, uh, and then basically re, you know, do an inspection to reboot it. So 20 minutes, an hour, maybe, I don't, I don't really know. 
But the the people that I were talking to who were working at the park, it's, it was not a big deal. It was like, okay, shut down the ride, evacuate, just check everything. We're back up in like half an hour. So it, it, right. it wasn't terribly too bad. But can you imagine like Main Street after that, <laughs> after that earthquake or the hub, you know, where it's just just congested with people because there was like 30 rides down in between the two parks. It's it's crazy, man. If you go on the internet and check out, there's I just saw some video of this lady's um, backyard security camera capturing the moment when the seven point one hit and her pool, the pool, the pool is just kicking water, and she's she's on the ground and like uh, and her husband comes and helps her, but he takes her drink first. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> the life goals, dude. That's what <laughs> I'm gonna get. Pool water in my Pepsi. <laughs> Uh, but it's, my rum and coke is spilling. Hurry up! <laughs> that's right. It was crazy, man. It was it, yeah. It, there's some there's some crazy video out there. So uh, anyway, well, that's what's I've happening. I mentioned this on a Spectro Time segment before. Uh, there's actually a really I don't want to say cool, but uh, there's a video of the mm. twenty that devastating 2011 earthquake in Japan that gave us all sorts of problems. Yeah. But there's video of people who are watching uh, the daytime show at tokyo disney sea when the earthquake hit there oh wow it's kind of interesting to see how because you know tokyo and disneyland are both on the ring of fire as they call it that's right um and uh so tokyo is very well prepared and for earthquakes and it's interesting just to hear like the announcements and watch everybody kind of duck down and how they handle it so if you it's not it's not good to watch but it's kind of interesting to watch yeah for sure good work jeremy thanks for (laughs) co-opting my story what segment that was All right, why don't you go right. ahead and go with your, with your my story? My turn? Yeah. Jason, as you know, because I've kind of alluded to this before, but Epcot is currently undergoing a big investment That's by the Walt Disney Company. Right, yeah. Well, it was announced this week that several elements of the Epcot Innoventions Plaza will close this fall as part of Disney's multi-billion dollar investment in the park known as Project Gamma. Okay. The- The Disney World Twitter account confirmed Wednesday that Epcot's Club Cool, an area where guests can enjoy fizzy soda beverages from around the world, will shut its doors on September 8th. Club Cool, not Club Cool. (laughs) That's where I live. I live in Club Cool, dude. You are you are the president of Club Cool. Yeah. I've always said that. <laughs> the naming, man. I we've talked about that before. The naming sometimes is just it's very 1984. It totally is. And it doesn't tell you at all what goes on in there. <laughs> no. Hello, fellow teenager. Welcome to Club Cool. <laughs> That's that meme with, uh, what's his name? Steve Buscemi? Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Um, well, what you, do, what you do in Club Cool, I actually do like Club Cool, um, is you get, uh, as I said, fizzy soda beverages. And one of them is called the Beverly. And it's an Italian drink that's very bitter. Just like Beverly. And <laughs> most Italians I know. It's developed a cult following over the years, particularly surrounding its notorious Beverly. Uh, many fans over the years have taken part in Club Cool's Beverly Challenge. Yes, I, you know, I'm glad you're bringing this up because I, I saw you know comments on on Diz Twit or Diz Twitter, Diz what Diz Twitter, Diz Twitter, Diz Twitter, um, and they're like, "Well, no more drink the Beverly," and I'm like, "I don't know what this is," but I didn't care enough to Google it. So, <laughs> thank you, right. Google. Go ahead. Well, it's also not no more. Well, so oh, so sorry. The the Beverly um, is you drink twelve cups of the sour soda under the observation of a cast member and receive a free slushy. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Uh, say that again. <laughs> <laughs> you drink 12 ounces? 12 cups, 12, which they're like, they're small. 12, so I guess it probably is about 12 ounces. Oh, really? A, a cup is an ounce, though. I mean, they're little people. Little, okay. Little, the little, little tiny cups. ones. Okay. All yeah. right. So you drink 12 of those. 12 of those, but you have to do it under the observation of a cast member. Can you imagine? Okay. Can you imagine <laughs> the cast member? And and if anybody has worked retail or especially food service before, uh, knows how you, focused you can be on, on your job to make sure that everything is running properly behind the scenes. No place is just going to overstaff somebody just because, right? Everyone's running lean all the time, right? So can you imagine as like a, as a CM, like, excuse me, I want to drink the Beverly. So can you watch me drink 12 cups of this fluid <laughs> so you can give me something? I, I, I would, I, that would, I don't know, man, that would send me into a, a hissy fit or something. <laughs> Yeah, you got to watch some idiot from Skokie, <laughs> Illinois, drink twelve cups of a Beverly. I can do, I can do, I can do that. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You mean to tell me that if you give me twelve <laughs> of these things, I pay for them? I'm fine with that. And then you got to watch me consume them, and then you give me something for free. Well, I'm in. I'm into that. <laughs> Your Skokie accent's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, well honed. Thank you. But also everything in Club Cool is free. So I don't understand. I think this is – I think they're getting bamboozled. Wait, it's free? Yeah, you just go up and you take these – you just go up to the soda fountain and put your cup there and you fill it up with a Beverly or whatever – one of the many other international drinks. You get free free sodas. Free sodas. Damn. Club Cool yeah. really is cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Disney – did respond because people were so upset that they wouldn't be on their Beverly's. <laughs> they really were, man. Well, can you imagine if we didn't have Beverly on this show? I mean, we'd be <laughs> devastated. I, I don't like not having Beverly on the show. No, it's not good. So uh, Disney Whoa. said, don't worry. Elements of Club Cool will be worked into the future evolution of the park because the park's evolving. Oh, I love the evolving. Also closing this fall, though temporarily for a major overhaul, will be Mouse Gear, Epcot's take on the Magic Kingdom's Emporium. Mouse Gear merchandise will be moved to a temporary area during the rehab before it reopens at a yet unknown date. Hmm. Further, the iconic Fountain of Nations will permanently close this fall, losing its central place in the plaza, taking with it its brilliant water ballet that is synced to such musical selections as John uh, as Yanni's Standing in Motion, John Tesh's Day One, amongst several others, and there's even a John Debney track in there, although at the moment I can't think of what it is. <laughs> uh, I think he, he wrote it for a, an, an Epcot show. I think it's called Mickey's something. Mickey's. Okay challenge whatever i wonder why they're pulling the the fountain the international whatever wasn't there like uh water from different nations in there to 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 that's like a ribbon cutting ceremony what didn't that happen you were really paying attention to my fountain of nations segment i see see that's true um that, yes that's true uh it was the centerpiece of um the plaza but they're just they're doing a massive structural overhaul and they're changing the way the traffic flows they're adding a beer garden they're doing all this stuff mm. to change the entire look of that um but some of the so here's my feeling is and i love the fountain of nations but what i believe is that so the fountain of nations as i said in my spectrum time segment um was designed by the same person who designed or the the fountain show that's in it was designed by the same person who designed the uh, water ballet in front of the Bellagio in Vegas. 
if you look at the concept art of what's coming to Epcot, and of course that's early and it changes, but um, there's a lot of water features and they're lit up and they look like the fountains of Bellagio or world of color. So I think that while Fountain of Nations itself will be going away, I don't think we're losing these beautiful articulated water ballets. And I think it'll actually, we'll get something even better. Okay. Okay. So you're not as been out of shape as a lot of people are. I'm not. As Which is odd because I usually am very <laughs> been out of shape. As an Epcot frequenter, you, you think these changes are, are, are needed. Yeah, I'm all, I'm I'm ready for it. Okay. I, nothing, nothing here is really offending me that much. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, isn't that fountain like pretty big? Like it's obscenely huge. It's very big. So um, it, and 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 I remember in that area, there's not a whole lot of shade. There's like those sh- shade kind of sails or whatever, but it didn't really do anything when Tara and I were there. And you had to walk around this big fountain. I remember going, "Why am I walking around this? Can't we just get rid of this stupid thing and I can go straight instead of walking around it and maximizing my sunburn?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've heard you kvetch about the shade many <laughs> times. Are you sure? <laughs> uh, listen, I can't guarantee you that there's going to be more shade. Okay. But I didn't there. think that the – well, here's the thing. Between Spaceship Earth and and um, World uh, World Showcase is, is Interventions Plaza. And to be honest with you, there's not much there. Right. Yeah, agree. You know, all the attractions live in Future World East and Future World West. There are some temporary things. There's a character meet and greet. There's Mouse Gear, of course. There's a, there's the fountain. Not anymore. Starbucks. <laughs> I love Starbucks. I love Starbucks too. I don't. Really. Um, so adding to to build on that Colortopia. Yeah. Wow. All of Interventions East in Nanu's Breeze Electric Umbrella will also all be closed from September eighth. Uh, Nanu's Breeze and the Electric Umbrella. That sounds like a band. That sounds like a prog rock band from the 60s. <laughs> Nanu's Breeze and the Electric Umbrella. <laughs> you see me swimming through your mind. I'm swimming. Hey, I could do it. That could be our karaoke band. Yes. We got to get that going. Hey, man. Christmas party. Let's go. It's going to happen. Nanny's Breeze. <laughs> With special finally, opener, Hearts of Fire. Sorry, go ahead. Finally, Pin Central. <laughs> A large pin selling station in the shadows of Spaceship Earth will also close permanently this fall. Pin Central was okay. It was a big pin trading station, as I said, and but that was where you got the limited edition stuff. Okay. So if they were going to have, you know, it wasn't one of these little pin things. It was Pin Central. Is it well? Sure. Is is pin trading big over there in uh, Disney, as everybody calls it, which annoys me. Oh. Yeah, I would say it's probably equivalent to to Disneyland. Okay, because like nobody does it in Disneyland. I feel like that. You know, really? Yeah, I I don't. I remember when I was when I really started going back uh, ten eight ten years ago. There were a lot of people pin trading and doing stuff like set up at in like Frontierland and just kind of hanging out with their big books of pins and everyone was talking pins. And I don't really see anybody doing that ever anymore. And so I just in my mind it's dying down, but you know, I don't I don't live in that world, so what do I know? Well, I don't I don't pin trade. But I have two things to say about pin trading. <laughs> Number one, there was, and I remembered, they used to do at the Disney shareholders meeting a question and answer period, which was insane. I mean, the people would ask these questions. You're like, (laughs) I can't believe they let them in. 
But every year there would be this one person who would come in and be like, hmm, you guys are getting rid of all the pin trading stations. Are you going to bring any back? Like, what's happening? Like, he's asking Bob Iger about pin trading stations. <laughs> and Bob Iger's like, uh, I'm going to have to defer to one of my colleagues. Yeah. I'm not sure. Are we still doing pins? I don't know. Right. He's like, I have no idea. So I do know, based on that, that they have reduced the number of pin trading stations. But when I go, point two, when I go to Disney World, at least, especially when I run a race and I'm parading around in my medal with pride. <laughs> like a peacock would, strutting <laughs> around. Preening my feathers. And- <laughs> Polishing my medal. I go and I get a Slurpee and I lean an elbow on the counter and I hold my medal in one hand and I go, hey, beautiful. <sighs> and I shine it on my shirt and I go, I'll take a large. Maybe this helps move things along. <laughs> oh, do you have an annual passer? Yes, it's taped to the back of my medal. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I notice people also wearing, you know, things around their neck. And I'm like, I'm, I want to go congratulate them on their race. But then I realize it's pin trading. That's right. And then I'm always so there's a lot of there are a lot of people pin trading because there's you know they're they're throwing me off as I walk around World Showcase mm. showing off my medal. Taryn and I used to do that, not the pin trading thing, but you know, we used to have our lanyards and um yeah. with our passes in it. And that's where it was a good place to put the um the fast passes and all your kind of stuff in there and cash and credit cards and whatever. But then we would just buy pins that we liked and we would put them on the lanyards. And I you know, we thought that was kind of cool. Um, but we got a lot of people going, oh, hey, you don't want to trade? And, and and there were kids. And I felt bad because you know that <laughs> this is going to be um, – <clears throat> I'm not mean to offend anybody, but you know that, that some of these kids are, are – they need help in social situations. So their parents are like, no, no, go ahead and ask them. They have the pins on, so that means they're pin trading. Go ahead. Jimmy, just go. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. You know, like, uh, I don't know if your parents have, like my dad would always make me pay for like the pizza or whenever the right. pizza guy came just to get those kind of social practices, which I hated and it drove me further introverted. But anyway, and so I would have to like shut these poor kids down and be like, oh, I'm sorry. I actually really don't like pin trade. And they just look like I, I removed their kneecaps or something. It just looked super sad and, and just they don't know what to do with themselves. And then you have to shuffle off real fast uh, before the parents yell at you. So we stopped doing the, the lanyards just for us. And I don't even know where mine is anymore for that reason. Well, it's my story. Life's about disappointment. So if little Johnny can't handle being told no to take my my pin for free, uh, he's got a lot of he's got a long road ahead of him. Uncle Jeremy, what's life about? Disappointment. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm not a parent, so I don't know if I necessarily have the heart for these issues. I would not care. If it's mine, you're not taking it, and I don't, won't feel bad about saying no. That's right. But, you know, you're at a different stage in your life. Oh, my God. Am I ever. First of all, I'm not on the southern tip of Spain. <laughs> yeah, well, if any southern Spanish children want to take anything of mine, they're going to get rude awakening. That's right. The full fury of Jeremy. Well, to finish up my story, Disney says many more details about the changes coming to Epcot will be released at D23 Expo this August, which is just 
few weeks away. You know, um, I, so I, I, I thought about going this year to D23, and um, I was talking to our buddy Nick, who did the video for Terrence and I at the Walt Disney Museum, the family yeah. museum. And uh, he's like, yeah, that would be really cool. I'm like, well, I could try to get media passes. That would be, that'd be tight if you can go. He's like, yeah, that'd be cool. So I submitted, and you have to do it individually. So I, I submitted mine and said, okay, now you submit yours, Nick, and we'll see if we get him in. I told Taryn that I did it because I, you know, generally sort of clear things with her, but sometimes not. So I go out in the, uh, from the studio and I go, hey, Taryn, I just did this thing. She goes, that's your nephew's wedding date. And I'm like, <laughs> really? Can I miss it? And she's like, you can't miss it. I'm like, okay. So even if I get a media pass, I can't, I can't go to the D23. I'm bummed about it. I was like actually hyped for it. Well, maybe if some people had told your nephew when he was growing up that they couldn't have pins, he would be used to the disappointment of you not showing up for his wedding. See? Yeah, and I don't know how I'm going to go do that. to D23 with me. That's right. I already had to blow off his, uh, not blow off, but Alice prevented me from uh, going to his like uh, engagement party or whatever. I was like, man, I feel like, I feel like a bum, but whatever. <clears throat> no. Speaking of bums. Yes. You ready? On ears yes. up, on ears up, we talk a lot about the trend of remakes and how Disney is rehashing their old content into something new and fresh for the modern, sophisticated millennial. Uh, case in point, uh, Aladdin. Just I, re- I just recently read that it made like nine hundred million dollars at the box office. So these remakes, as much as we talk about why they're doing it and oh my god and blah 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 blah, they're making money. People are going to see them. They're always going to be doing it. So I've I'm I've I've accepted that. That's the what is it like the third stage of grieving or whatever is acceptance or whatever it is, right. Sure. It's just whatever, Jason. Uh, Along with these reboots (laughs) comes a mixture of anger and excitement. And I think no reboot encapsulates this more than the latest announcement of who will play Ariel in the Little Mermaid reboot. A little live action. uh, Have you you read anything or is this going to be brand new for you? I've seen a couple things about it. it. All right. 18-year-old Haley Bailey... Or is it Holly Holly Bailey? I don't know. Uh, Has been chosen for the lead role. And if you're anything like me, you have absolutely no idea who this person is. Apparently, she's not only part of an R&B duo called Chloe and Haley, was a Grammy nominee, apparently, but she's also a cast member on the TV series Grown-ish, which, if you're anything like me, clears up absolutely nothing because I've not heard (laughs) of either. I mean, I've heard right. of the Grammys, but I have no idea who these people are. I think we've actually talked about her R&B duo once on a, some news thing a couple months ago. Um, but anyway, almost immediately after the announcement, the backlash started against the casting move. And for no other reason than Bailey is black and Ariel is white. Now, this is normally something I would have been bothered by as well, mainly because I'm a big supporter of things being true to their source material, especially in reboots. I was bugged. For example, that the X-Men movies didn't have their mutants in the classic yellow spandex or that the Incredible Hulk wasn't wearing purple pants all the time because that's what they did in the comics. But that's just me. I have a simple mind. And so do a lot of other people online, apparently, because this lovely woman was the target of so much hatred. I felt really, really bad for her. And in general, I don't feel bad for anybody online, but I felt really bad for her because she got dumped on very hard. There was the usual screaming on Twitter that there always is about pretty much anything, but this time it went way beyond what's normal for the internet. Facebook groups started popping up with really cute and very clever names like Make America White Again and the ever so clever 
make Ariel white again. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, these people, what are these people naming pavilions in Epcot? <laughs> what? I don't know, because the, the those naming <laughs> schemes aren't clever and neither are the Facebook groups. And it was oh, my, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what pavilion is called that? <laughs> Just, yeah. Uh, club white pavilion club cool <laughs> i got it but we need a name for a club that's that makes kids want to be kids and just what's hip club hip no no that's not it anyway um in these groups members were sharing racist memes and basically patting each other on the back for being the stupidest person to post since the last person to post but not all racism was confined to just these facebook groups over on twitter which is a cesspool anyways white people were losing their minds trying to apply science actual science to the race of a fictional character here's a quote from uh, twitter uh, mermaids live in ocean period underwater equals limited sunlight period limited sunlight equals less melanin period less melanin <laughs> Dude, less melanin equals lighter skin color. That's an actual like tweet from somebody enthusiastically complaining about the race of Ariel in the reboot. Here's another one. Because they live underwater, which has no access to light beyond a certain depth, Ariel and every other mermaid in existence would be albino. Third person wrote, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it physically impossible for Ariel to be black? She lives underwater. How would the sun get to her for her to produce melanin? Nobody thought this through? Question mark. Uh, I guess I guess Hans Christian Andersen didn't think through the fact <laughs> that a person with a nose can't live underwater. <laughs> like, what? Science has nothing to do with... The Little Mermaid. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And the, the, the article that I'm getting this from goes, uh, let's leave aside that they're attempting to apply science to a story about a mythical fish child of King Triton doing battle with a sea witch with octopus legs with some help from a singing crab with a dubious Jamaican accent. <laughs> right. Like, that's actually a good question because it's supposed to be set in the Caspian Sea, not the Caribbean. Uh, right, exactly. There you go. Uh, they say not all sea creatures are white. Rainbow fish are not white. Orcas are not all white. Even white fish are mostly black, brown, and green. Manatees, the animals its, it's accepted mermaid myths were based on, are also not white. They're a sort of brownish gray and apparently not very attractive. In 1493, Christopher Columbus, sailing near the Dominican Republic, saw three and wrote that mermaids are, quote, not half as beautiful as they are painted. As for the melanin <laughs> argument, many species of whale avoid sun damage from UV radiation thanks to high levels of melanin pigments in their skin, just like humans. If Ariel was real, there's no reason why she would be a pale redhead. And this upcoming quote is from Sasha Coward, <clears throat> I'm just saying, um, who is apparently something called a, a mermaid folklorist and freelance museum professional says note, note the word freelance <laughs> yeah. uh, unemployed museum professional <laughs> highly employed mermaid folklorist uh, says applying science to mermaids is a rather silly thing to do they're symbols not biological creatures also the science i've been seeing used is really bad science cherry picking elements of the natural world to argue why ariel should be pale and redhead makes no sense in these cases, science is being used as a proxy to back up racism. White people feeling a sense of ownership of a symbol from their childhood are trying to use wacky arguments to keep Ariel white. But just for the hell of it, uh, she goes on to say, Ariel lives in a warm coral reef. The biota, 
around her implies she is not of European descent. I don't know what that means. Uh, white skin and bright red hair would also be a dead giveaway to predators. With that in mind, looking at other aquatic mammals, Ariel is comparatively malnourished. A real mermaid would probably be a large, tan-skinned creature with plenty of blubber, hairless and sleek, with paddle-like flippers. <laughs> Uh, first of all, just this is where we are in in this timeline, Jeremy. Is that we're we're debating how a real mermaid would look to combat racism? <laughs> I just can't. Does it does it mention that she would have to have gills? <laughs> well, you know, she these, comes all up. Of these points are so moot. Like nothing. Right. None of it matters. No, she can't, it doesn't. A human half human body can't breathe underwater. All the rest doesn't matter if you can guard your, you know, you don't, you don't want to get her to sunburn, you're drowned. Yeah. Okay. Hairless and sleek. <laughs> it's weird, dude. This whole thing is weird. But there is some good news in this whole weird, terrible, tragic story. The internet is having fun on some corners of the internet. There's still fun to be had with who should play King Triton based on the casting of Ariel. And one suggestion is, is catching ahead of steam. And I'm all for it. Idris Elba, star of the series Luther. Of course, he was also some dude with a sword in Tron or Thor or whatever it was, but he was Luther. And if you haven't seen Luther, it was on the BBC. It's a streaming on Amazon Prime cop drama. I love I love Idris Elba. He I think he'd be great as King Triton. There was also a call for him a couple years ago to be James Bond. Uh, That would he would be the best James Bond. I think he would be great. Anyway, the Little Mermaid. You you sound you don't know who who Idris Elba is, do you, Jeremy? I know who he is. Okay. Um, I think he was in that movie with the plane going down with Kate Winslet from Titanic. <laughs> the plane, the plane goes down. There's a movie. I think this is who the actor. I, you're right. I don't really know who it is, but I think I know who it is. And if it is who I think it is, he was in a movie with Kate Winslet about a plane that crashed. <laughs> okay, that's all I know. All right. And I know he's not white. Uh, he was in Prometheus. Uh, he was in obviously Thor. He was in American Gangster. Uh, he's won, uh, nominated for a uh, Golden Globe. Uh, mm-hmm. Nominated five times for a Primetime Emmy. He was uh, Shere Khan in uh, Jungle Book. He was Fluke in Finding Dory. Um, Star Trek Beyond. He was um, Beast of No Nation. He was in which I never saw. He was in Pacific Rim. Um, I've seen none of these, okay? Now, back to me. Uh, <laughs> back to what I have never experienced in my life. Anyway, dude, you, you should look up photos of Idris Elba. The dude is great. I think he's uh, obviously very handsome young man. Uh, he's like 50-something or whatever. Um, but he would be phenomenal as King Triton in anything. Basically, Idris Elba should be in every movie ever. That dude's great. All it takes to be King Triton is one thing. Abs. You, you got well, it. Well, six of them. <laughs> right. So I think we're out of the running. Well, speak for yourself. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I got a whole fridge full of six pa- Um <clears throat> The uh, Little Mermaid casting is really bringing the crazy out in people. And like I was saying, this is normally something I would have been uh, very, very opinionated about. Not obviously out of racism, because anybody who knows me knows that that's not true. But because I like things the way that I knew them. My brain can't handle very well uh, any sort of change when it comes to comics, for example. And I've again, this is all stuff I vomited 
up on the show in past years. Michael Keaton will always be the best Batman. I will always hate every Batman after Michael Keaton because they're not Michael Keaton. Gene Wilder will always be the best Willy Wonka. Lou Ferrigno will always be the best. Well, okay, you got me on on the Hulk. But it took uh, two seconds to agree with Disney that changing the casting up, not to stick with a certain look, simply because that's what has been done in the past, was a good thing that has 100% zero effect on me as a person. And I have no idea why the internet can't do the same. It, 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 it boggles my mind how mean they're being to this poor girl. Well, yeah, I, you don't want to have anyone see anyone be mean to someone. Um, it sounds like she is clearly with the Grammy nom and from her resume that she's a talented young lady. So good for her. Um, I will play a little devil's advocate. I have a question yes. for you. And I, I honestly, I could care less who plays Ariel. I okay. don't like these movies. I only really liked Cinderella of all the reboots. The rest suck. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I really don't care. And I think more power to her. Yeah. But I have a question. Okay. And this is just to spark a debate. Mulan is coming up next year. Yes. Would What would it be if Mulan was cast by someone who wasn't East Asian? Well, I think that's different because to me, their race matters to that story because it, it, it's telling the story. And I've literally never seen Mulan. I couldn't tell you what, to, what it's about at all. But I do know it's very... Um, you know, rooted in, uh, what, what's the word I'm trying, not, I, I want to say traditional, but that's not the word I'm trying to think of. Um, uh, oh my God, I'm having a brain aneurysm probably. Like Chinese lore. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Lore, uh, legend, fantasy, that kind of stuff with little mermaid. There's, it's like you said, hands, Christian Anderson, you, you know, there's, there's nothing there. It's a fictional, it's a fictional uh, entity. It's not even a fictional character. It's just a, a fictional race of people or a different thing, right? It, so that doesn't matter. It's like it's like you know, are Martians green or are they gray? It does. Who cares? They're not. They're not real, right? So with right. Mulan, I think it matters because it is it is more of a cultural identifier. Um, but like with Cinderella, it doesn't matter. Um, with Sleeping Beauty, it doesn't matter. It's not a it's not a cultural identifier. I mean, maybe you can sort of make the argument that um, Hans Christian Andersen, uh, what is he like, Swedish or whatever? It sounds like it's Danish. There you go, Danish. You could argue that that's maybe more of like a Danish culture, but then that's literature that's been spread around the world for years and years and years. So that's kind of lost. That claim is lost on it. So I think some stuff does matter when it's a cultural identifier, but. With everything else, it doesn't matter. Woody could be black in the next. I don't care. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Right. Like if it's a true fairy tale, whatever. Right. Right. And and again, I I would normally have been upset about it. Not upset, but like, oh, what are they doing? I don't understand. But because it's just the way it was. I want everything to be the way it was. If you're going to reboot it, it, I'm the same way with cover songs. What I hate the most is when bands take a cover song and then they change it up entirely. Like the pace is all off and they just they just do their own thing. They put their own mark on it. It's like, no, if you're going to do a cover of a song that's really great, you do the, do it the exact same way. Because that's, oh God, that's no, the way I want. Oh, God, no. What's the point? I, well, again, then don't, then don't do it. But like, um, like Dave Matthews Band does a great cover of Sledgehammer, you know, the Peter Gabriel song. And it's rad and it's like on point. And it's, I think it's cool for, for, for me personally to see a band do a, a song as great um, just normally, right? 
as, as it as it was recorded from the original artist. I think that's like the best way to pay tribute to an artist. But if you just take it and change it and make it stupid, um, I don't like it. And so you know, I, I'm I'm learning to kind of go. Okay, it's fine. It doesn't because it, it doesn't really bother me at all. Um, and in the Little Mermaid casting, I think it's great. Online, they're confusing Holly Bailey with Holly Berry. Right. Well, actually, when I first read this, I was like, isn't she a little old for this? <laughs> well, yeah. I read it. Yeah. And it, okay, here's uh, here, let me turn this down a little bit. This is that group, Chloe and Haley, I guess. That's her singing. I don't really know. I mean, dude, she's a good singer. That's for sure. Yeah. And and so, you know, if, if you have a, such a heavy, heavy singing movie like uh, Little Mermaid, dude, you, you why not cast somebody who can sing? And this she's got some pipes, man. I'll tell you that. Well, I'm, you know, I, I agree. You need a set of pipes to carry a movie like that. It's a, it's a, it, they, when they wrote it, um, they want it, this, why it was so popular is because they were evoking Broadway. You know, it was a very oh. Broadway-esque show. You had a, even Ursula was written as sort of like a drag kind of character. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what made it so popular because it was this really grand show, which is so interesting because when they then, and I'm surprised that they're remaking it because when they brought The Little Mermaid to Broadway, which is what inspired it. It was a complete disaster. <laughs> well, I and think it already. I think even even the 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 gal who played the Little Mermaid on Broadway was Asian, I believe. And there was an article, you know, interviewing her, and she's like, "Dude, after like when 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 kids would meet me and they would come up to me, I was in street clothes. They wouldn't they wouldn't say you don't look like Ariel." They would scream Ariel at me, even though I didn't have makeup on. I wasn't in costume or whatever. Like they recognize me as Ariel because it doesn't kids don't ma- who, who what makes this stuff matter are are insane adults. That's it. Like we project so much onto kids, at, you know, maybe, you know, sometimes out of trying to protect them, sometimes out of trying to protect our own fragile, whatever. Kids don't care if you tell something that's a thing or if you tell somebody that that's aerial or that's uh maleficent or whatever that's what it is it could be this microphone stand or my half empty glass of iced tea it doesn't matter kids don't care about it and right. i think that's well, great she she's got a good voice let's let her let's let her do it and we'll we'll see what happens i would like to hear her yeah let's give her the chance at least that's right baby right um that's all i got what about you well, I would like to say one thing about this whole who's going to play what in Little Mermaid. Because did you see that Guy Fieri might be playing Ursula? Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> don't even don't even tease me with that. Because even in like a, a post-ironic world that we live in, uh, I, I couldn't handle it. It's not true, but there is a meme going around. And it's got a picture of Ursula and a picture of Guy Fieri. Oh and it got back to him. And then he retweeted it, which I loved. So I was like, yeah, I like that guy. Own it. Yeah, guys, I've I've heard he's uh, just an adorable sweetheart of a man, and he he has fun with the character that he has, you know, put out into into the world. So you know, you gotta you gotta laugh at yourself about stuff like that. And really, right. especially with Guy Fieri, if you're in a current meme, just get down on one knee and just thank the man upstairs for that you're still relevant in some weird way. Right. I mean, I try to create memes of myself all the time. No one's <laughs> tweeting them. I've never seen one. I want to see you right now. 
<laughs> Why don't you make one? <laughs> well, speaking of memes, this is not speaking of memes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it seems that for the second time this decade, Walt Disney World buses are getting a facelift. Whoa. Are you excited about that? I'm, I'm, I can't be more excited about it, to be honest. Walt Disney World is introducing a new livery for its buses that service its parks and hotels at the Florida Resort. New paint schemes with oversized characters have been spotted recently shuttling guests around. So far, Mickey, Minnie, and Pluto-themed buses have been spotted, but according to Disney, the entire Sensational Six will be featured to include Donald, Goofy, and Daisy. Wow. Have you ever heard of the Sensational Six? No. I've never heard that term in my entire life. About anything. For the first time today, I have always known the Fab Five, but apparently they don't want to leave Daisy out. (laughs) Daisy. When was the last time you ever heard anything about Daisy? Other than, oh, look, Daisy's over there and there's a line of four people. Do you want to get a photo with her? No. (laughs) No, still don't. Well, apparently Daisy was mad and so they've had to create the Sensational Six. (laughs) All right. Presumably, these changes are to match the new Skyliner ride that also features Disney character paint schemes. But new paint is not the only features guests will notice. Once on board the refitted buses, Disney World guests will have access to USB charging ports between the seats, as well as a new blue internal color scheme. Oh, man. USB charging. I mean, I I understand the bus bus rides can be like long, but 20 minutes? I mean, I guess that's enough. 20 minutes. You know what? It's it's the end of the day. You've been doing your slow-mos. You've been posting to Insta. Your slow-mos. <laughs> <laughs> you need a little juice to tell mom you're getting back in fights, you know, in 20 minutes or okay. something. You got to tell somebody something. Or you got to you got to upload that slow-mo that you've been sitting on all day. <laughs> That's right. And you need 20 minutes of juice. That's right. Heaven forbid you wait till you get back to the hotel room like a normal human being. No. All right. So they've got USB charging ports. I say Mazel. <laughs> um, the last time Disney rolled out new livery for its fleet of buses mm-hmm. was in 2013 when a retro design was rolled out to replace the dated white buses with purple rectangles and offset lettering that reminded me of where the Saved by the Bell kids hung out after school. Oh, the Peach Pit? No, that's 90210. No, I know. Not no, I know. Is that that's shorthand? <laughs> Uh, I did see that on, on the logo for Nano Tuna. It, it doesn't say Beverly Hills. It just says BH, which is just weird, man. <laughs> no one has time to type anymore. Oh. No, it's Nano. I don't remember where they went on um, on uh, whatever I just mentioned. What did S- I say? Saved by the bell. <laughs> it's getting late here. The changes came with the addition of new articulating buses that increased capacity. But here's the thing. They rolled out that new retro look in 2013, but I, I was there maybe two months ago, and that old one from pre-2013, there's still a few buses rolling around that haven't been converted yet. Mm. So we haven't even finished the rollout of the 2013 new livery, and now we're going for the 2019 <laughs> new livery. So we're going to have three liveries rolling around Florida? Man, we have, uh, you have too much money out there. Well. I think that that uh, we need to dot our I's and cross our T's sure. before we start adding new liveries. <laughs> so that's my other story. New buses. All right. USB. Hey, man, why not, man? We Everyone needs uh, 20 minutes of juice here and there. And, uh, you know, there you go. Man, I, I don't know why Disneyland isn't just selling, like, the rechargeable batteries. You know what I, I mean? I like, the rechargeable battery packs, it, it, it seems like a no-brainer. 
And I think that they maybe they are. I know they have like recharging stations in the lockers by in, at Disneyland, or there's something going on with like the thing. But those should be in every shop. They would make a killing off of them. They're too focused on charging twenty bucks for a donut. They have no concept of where they really <laughs> could make money and what people actually need. Yeah, remember because on the fifth anniversary show, Nick told a story about how he couldn't find a charger. <laughs> he had to go to like three hotels and he found one. They should. You're absolutely right. They should sell them. Yeah, or you know, have just more of those chargers. Even if you you charging teens five dollars, you know, to fill up or for twenty minutes or whatever. You're gonna make a you're gonna make a killing off it, or just offer them for free. Just offer the charging station for free, or I don't know, man. That's just I, I, nothing's gonna be for free ever. So I don't know why I keep bringing it up. If right. you want something for free, you got to go get your Beverly. That's all you're getting for free. Apparently, well, not anymore. We don't know. I mean, you might it might be free when in the new evolution of Epcot. I doubt it. I will I will bet you literally a hundred dollars that it won't be free. Well, you know what. What? Stay tuned to In Depth because I'm sure we'll report on it. <laughs> That's right. You know, we'll just make it up. That's right. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. This has been Ears Up In Depth show number three. And of course, uh, we're not splitting it out into different feeds. It's just going to stay with the Ears Up uh, you know, family, I guess, or whatever. And, uh, you know, stay tuned for our interview with Raleigh Crump on the 11th coming up here on Thursday. It will not be live. However, we're having a little bit of issue with the broadcast computer. Uh, but if you have any questions for Mr. Crump, I'll just call him that so I don't mispronounce his name, uh, you can email those to me at jason at earsup-podcast.com and uh, all that fun stuff. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. You can hear more uh, of Jeremy's work at spectroradio.us. And Jeremy, you have the some summer of tiki or whatever, whatever it is that you're doing over there now? Yeah. Programming note. Uh, the Trainer Sam's Summer Sunset Hour is back there, this there week. There you go. I'm looking forward to that. I, I really appreciate that uh, little programming block. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's back this week starting Wednesday. Wednesday and Fridays, you can hear it at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Thursdays and Saturdays, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. And it's an hour of uh, tiki music to take you into the sunset. Oh. Limited time. Oh, yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And until next time, we'll see you in the parks.